Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie K, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Dorothy L. Sayers' Lord Peter Whimsey in Whose Body, which is a tale that first introduced Lord Peter to the world and sees him investigating the case of a corpse in a Battersea bathtub and a vanished oil millionaire. This will be a five-part series, so sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this nostalgic mystery radio. Thank you for listening. Lord Peter Whimsey. Starring Ian Carmichael as Lord Peter and Peter Jones as Bunter, with Patricia Routledge as the Dowager Duchess. Whose Body? by Dorothy L. Sayers, adapted by Chris Miller in five episodes. Episode 1, The Body in the Bath. Mayfair 0299, Lord Peter Wimsey's residence. Hold the line, please. I have a call for you from Duke's Denver. Go ahead, please, caller. Is that you, Bunter? Yes, your grace. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Is Lord Peter in? I regret to say not, your grace. His lordship has just left to attend the sale of Sir Ralph Brocklebury's collection of books. Oh, yes. Bunter? I believe that's his lordship just coming in again. If your grace would kindly hold the line a moment. Uh, yes, my lord? Bunter, could you find in my catalogue? I forgot the beastly thing. It's probably up in my bedroom or on the desk. Yes, my lord. Her grace has just called up from Denver, my lord. Oh, really? Hello, Mother. Oh, there you are, dear. I was afraid I'd just missed you. Well, you had, as a matter of fact, but I had to come back. What's up? Such a quaint thing, Peter. I thought I'd tell you. You know little Mr. Phipps? Uh, Phipps? Yes. Phipps, Phipps. Oh, yes, the little architect man who was doing the Denver church roof. Yes. Yes, rather. What about him? Well, Mrs. Throgmorton's just been in, in quite a state of mind. Mrs. who? Oh, Throgmorton, yes. Mr. Phipps rang them up this morning. It was his day to come down, but he rang them up to say he couldn't. He was so upset, poor little man. He's found a dead body in his bath. I'm sorry, Mother, I didn't quite quite catch that. He's found what? Where? A dead body, dear, in his bath. Good Lord. A, a dead man with nothing on but a pair of pants nay. Mrs. Throgmorton positively blushed when she was telling me. I'm afraid people do get a little narrow-minded in country vicarages. Well, it does sound a bit unusual. Was it anybody you knew? Uh, no, dear, I don't think so. Oh, poor little Phipps. Uncommonly awkward for him, what? Well, let me see. He, um, he lives in Battersea, doesn't he? Yes, dear. 59 Queen Caroline Mansions, opposite the park. Uh-huh. That big block just round the corner from the hospital. I thought perhaps you'd like to run round and see him and ask if there's anything we can do. I always thought him a nice little man. Yes, yes, quite. Well, thanks awfully for telling me, Mother. I'll send Bunter to the sale and toddle round to Battersea now and try to console the poor little beast. Toodle, Pip. Goodbye, dear. Bunter? Yes, my lord? 
But uh, her grace, eager as always to assist me in my hobby of criminal investigation, tells me that a respectable Battersea architect has discovered a dead man in his bath. Indeed, my lord. That's very gratifying. Very, Bunter. Your choice of words is unerring. I wish Eaton and Balliol had done the same for me. Uh, have you found the catalogue? Here it is, my lord. Ah, thank you. Well, I'm going to Battersea at once, so I want you to attend the sale for me. And I don't lose time because I don't want to miss the Folio Dante nor the De Voragine. Uh, yes, here you are, do you see? Golden Legend, Winkind Award, 1493. And make a special effort for the Caxton Folio of the Four Sons of Amion. It's the 1489 folio and unique. Uh, look, there we are. I've marked the lots I want, and I've put my outside offer against each, so do your best for me, will you, old lad? I'll be back to dinner. Oh, very good, my lord. Very well, then. Exit the amateur of first editions. New motive, introduced by Solo Bassoon. Enter Sherlock Holmes, disguised as a walking gentleman. So, off to Battersea, and Mr. Alfred Phipps. <laughs> Sure, it's most kind of your lordship. I appreciate it very deeply, uh, very deeply indeed. And so would Mother, only she's so deaf I haven't really been able to make her understand. Don't mention it, Mr. Phipps. Uh, Mother, this is Lord Peter Whimsey. Oh. Good afternoon, Mrs. Phipps. What? I'm sorry, my lord. I really, I'm I'm almost thankful Mother doesn't understand. For I'm sure it'd worry her terribly if she was to know about it. She was upset at first, but she's made up some idea of her own about it now, and I'm sure it's all for the best. I always said that you ought to complain about that bath, Alfred, and it's to be hoped the landlord will see about it now. Not but what I think you might have managed without having the police in, but there, you always was one to make a fuss about a little thing from chicken pox up. <laughs> there now, you see how it is, my lord. It's been a terrible shock to me. Such a state I was in this morning. I couldn't touch a bit of breakfast, nor luncheon either. My nerves were all to pieces. When I saw that dreadful thing lying there in my bath, mother naked too, except for a pair of eyeglasses, I assure you, my lord, it regularly turned my stomach, if you'll excuse the expression. I had to send the girl for a stiff brandy, or I don't know what might have happened. Very wise of you, Mr. Phipps. Uh, this girl of yours, she's a sensible young woman, what? A nuisance to have women fainting and shrieking all over the place. Oh, Gladys is a good girl. Uh -huh. Very reasonable indeed. She was shocked, of course, that's very understandable. But she is really a helpful, energetic girl in a crisis. She was very distressed about having left the bathroom window open. She really was. So I didn't like to say too much to her about it. All I said was... It might have been burglars, I said. Remember that, Gladys, next time you leave a window open all night. This time it was a dead man, I said, and that's unpleasant enough. But next time it might be burglars and all of us murdered in our beds. Quite right, Mr Phipps. Yes, my lord. But the police inspector, Inspector Sugg, they called him, from the yard, he was very shocked with her, poor girl. Quite frightened her and made her think he suspected her of something, though... What good a body could be to her, poor girl, I can't imagine. Oh, well, that's Sug all over. I know him. When he doesn't know what else to say, he's rude. Stands to reason you and the girl wouldn't go collecting bodies. Difficult is usually to get rid of them. Have you got rid of this one yet, by the way? Well, it's still in the bathroom, my lord. Uh -huh. 
Inspector Sugg said nothing was to be touched till his men came in to move it. I'm expecting them at any time. But if it did interest your lordship to have a look at it... Uh... Oh, thank you. Yes, I'd like to very much if I'm not putting you out. No, uh, not at all, my lord. Uh, uh, this way. You see, uh, it's, uh, it's only a small window, my lord, but big enough to get a body through. Mm, so I observe. That down there, I presume, is the New St. Luke's Hospital. Yes, my lord. Uh -huh. We had Sir Julian Freak... Um, he directs the surgical side of the hospital, my lord, round here himself this morning. Inspector Sugg thought one of the young medical gentlemen might have brought the corpse round for a joke, as you might say. <laughs> uh, but Sir Julian looked up in his books and there was no corpse missing and this one didn't answer the description of any they'd had. Well, let's have a look at him. Uh, here, don't you trouble with the sheet if you don't care about looking at it. Mm hmm. Oh, a bit of a dandy, your visitor, what? Hmm, palmer violet. Manicure, gold pince-nez. Oh, hey, oh, there they go. Better put them back before Inspector Sugg returns, what? That dear old bird does hate me interfering, to be sure. My lord, if you excuse me, my lord, it makes me feel quite faint. It really does. Yes, of course, Mr. Thibbs. You'll run along. I'll just have a quick look round, if I may. Thank you, my lord. Now, my beauty, let's have a look at you. Hmm. Well, I never. Now, open wide. That's it. By Jove. Oh, very interesting. Very interesting indeed. <laughs> Munter, this is quite excellent. I couldn't have done better myself. Thank you, my lord. Excellent. The thought of the Dante makes my mouth water, and the four sons of Emion. And you saved me 60 pounds. That's glorious. Well, what shall we spend it on, Munter? It's your saving, and properly speaking, your 60 pounds. What do we want, eh? Anything in your department? Uh, would you like anything altered in the flat? Well, my lord, as your lordship is so good... Well, now, come along. Out with it, Munter, you imperturbable old hypocrite. No good talking as if you were announcing dinner. And you are spilling the brandy. The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. What does that blessed photographic darkroom of yours want now, hmm? There's a double anastigmat with a set of supplementary lenses, my lord. If it was a case of forgery now or footprints, I could enlarge them right up on the plate. Or the wide-angle lens would be useful. It's as though the camera had eyes at the back of its head, my lord. Look, I've got the catalogue here. Mm-hmm. Well, it's great to me, Bunter, and fifty pounds seems a ridiculous price for a few bits of glass. But I suppose you'd say the seven hundred and fifty pounds was a bit out of the way for a dirty old book in a dead language, wouldn't you? It wouldn't be in my place to say so, my lord. Uh, no, Bunter. No, I pay you two hundred pounds a year to keep your thoughts to yourself. Tell me, Bunter, in these democratic days, don't you think that's unfair? No, my lord. You don't? Why not? Frankly, my lord... Your lordship is paid a nobleman's income to take Lady Worthington into dinner and refrain from exercising your lordship's undoubted powers of repartee. <laughs> so that's your idea, is it? Noblesse oblige for a consideration. Well, I dare say you're right. Well, Banter, you can have your cross-eyed lens. Thank you, my lord. Now, who's that? Banter! Banter, look, unless it's anybody interesting, I'm not at home. Very good, my lord. 
Inspector Parker, my lord. Charles, I say this is splendid. Hello, Peter. Hope I'm not disturbing anything important. No, 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 not a bit, my dear fellow. I'm delighted to see you. Come in, come in, come in, come in, come in. What a beastly foggy evening, ain't it? Uh, Bunter, some more of that admirable coffee and another glass and the cigars. Oh, yes, my lord. Well, Charles, I hope you've just come from the yard full of crime. Nothing less than arson or murder will do for us tonight. Oh. On such a night as this. <laughs> Bunter and I were just sitting down to a carouse. We both have got the body in the bath. We both have got the body in the bath. For in spite of all temptations to go in for cheap sensations, we insist upon the body in the bath. <laughs> I knew you'd been round to Queen Caroline Mansions, Peter. I saw you leaving. Ah, thank you, Bunter. Uh, you were Parker Bird? What were you doing there? I went round with Sug to help him pick up the body. He saw you too, and he was cross. Unwarrantable interference, he called it. Ah, Sug is too perfect to be possible. I love taking a rise out of him. He's always <laughs> so rude. Uh, Bunter? Yes, my lord? Yeah, now stop fiddling about there and get yourself the proper things to drink and join the merry throng. Certainly, my lord. What does Sug make of the body, by the way? Sug? Mm -hmm. He says it died from a blow on the back of the neck. The doctor told him that. He says it's been dead a day or two. The doctor told him that, too. And he says it's the body of a well-to-do Hebrew of about 50. Anybody could have told him that. So he's arrested the girl because she's short and frail-looking and quite unequal to downing a tall and sturdy Semite with a poker. The girl, um, Gladys, what's her name? <laughs> Gladys Horrocks, yes. Uh, thug of the evening, beautiful thug. <laughs> He'd arrest Thipps too, only Thipps was away in Manchester all yesterday and the day before and he didn't come back till late last night. In fact, he wanted to arrest him. Till I reminded him that if the body had been dead for a day, little Thipps couldn't have done him in at 10.30 last night. Well, I'm glad the little man has so much of an alibi. I wouldn't glue my faith to cadaveric lividity, rigidity, and all the other quiddities if I were you, Parker. <laughs> what does Brown Sekar say in his book about rigor mortis, Bunter? Anything from three and a half minutes after death, my lord, but in certain cases not until lapse of 16 hours after death. Sometimes present as long as 21 days thereafter, uh -huh. modifying factors such as age, muscular state, febrile diseases, temperature of environment... Yeah, and uh, so on, and so on, and so on. I know, any blooming thing. Never mind, Charles, you can run the argument for what it's worth, Sug. He won't know any better. Let's come back to the facts. What do you make of the body? Ah, well, not very much, Peter. I was puzzled, frankly. I should say he'd been a rich man... Self-made, and that his good fortune had come to him fairly recently. Ah, you noticed the calluses on the hands. Yes, I thought you wouldn't miss that. Mm. Both his feet were badly blistered. He'd been wearing tight shoes. Mm. Walking a long way in them, too, to get such blisters as that. Didn't that strike you as odd in a person evidently well off? Yes, it did. And there were some little red marks all over his back and one leg I couldn't quite account for, too. He was very long-sighted, oddly so for a man in the prime of life. The glasses were like a very old man's. By the way, they had a... A very beautiful and remarkable chain of flat links traced with a pattern. It struck me that he might be traced through it because it looked fairly new. Indeed. Bunter, did you put that advertisement in the Times? Uh, yes, my lord. Mm. As you instructed, it is directed to the jeweller who originally sold the chain. Splendid. Anything more, Charles? Afraid not. Now, let's hear your version, Whimsy. Well, I think you've got most of the points. Thank you. There are just one or two little contradictions, however. Oh. For instance, here is a man who is evidently careful of his personal appearance, as witness his well-groomed hair and manicured hands. Mm. Yet his teeth are not merely discoloured, but badly decayed, and look as if he never cleaned them in his life. Now, what do you say to that? 
Well, I don't know. Excuse me, my lord. Yes, Bunter? In my experience, my lord, self-made men of low origin do not think much about teeth and are terrified of dentists. Really? Well, I dare say you're right, but I just thought I'd draw your attention to it. Second point. Gentlemen with hair smelling of palm violet and manicured hands and all the rest of it never washes inside his ears, full of wax. Oh, nasty. Well, you've got me there, Peter. I never noticed it. Still, old habits die hard, as Bunter says. My dear, put it down to that. Third point. Gentleman with the manicure and the brilliantine and all the rest of it has little red marks on his back, which suggests what, Bunter? Please, my lord. By Jove, yes. Flea bites. Of course, it never occurred to me. Well, there's no doubt about it, old son. The marks were faint and old, but unmistakable. Still, whimsy, it might happen to anybody. I caught a whopper in the best hotel in Lincoln the week before last. Oh, all these things might happen to anybody. Separately. Fourth point. Gentleman who uses palmer violet for his hair, etc., 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 washes his body in strong carbolic soup. So strong that the smell hangs about 24 hours later. Uh, my lord, carbolic is a highly efficient preparation for ridding the body of fleas. My lord. <laughs> oh, I will say this for you two. You have an answer for everything. Very well. Fifth point. A carefully got-up gentleman with manicured fingernails has filthy black toenails, which look as if they hadn't been cut for years. All of a piece, with habits as indicated, Whimsy. Oh, yes, I know, but such habits. Rightio. Sixth and last point. Gentleman with intermittently gentlemanly habits arrives in the middle of a pouring wet night when he has already been 24 hours dead and lies down quietly in Mr. Phipps's bath unseasonably dressed in a pair of pince-nez. Not a hair on his head is ruffled. In fact, the hair has been cut so recently that there are quite a number of little short hairs stuck on his neck and on the sides of the bath. And he has shaved so recently that there is a line of dried soap on his cheek. Yeah, now wait one moment, wait one moment. And dried soap in his mouth. And hairs too, bristly ones. He had a beard. You're making me feel cold all over. Do you mean to tell me that a man would shave off his beard with his mouth open and then go off and get killed with his mouth full of hairs? <laughs> Look, I don't tell you so. You policemen are all alike, you know. Only one idea in your skulls. Blessed if I can see why you were ever appointed. He was shaved, Charles, after he was dead. To disguise him. Right. That accounts for the manicure and the grooming, too. Well, it's pretty, ain't it? Mm. I tell you, Charles, we're up against a criminal. The criminal. The real artist. And blighter with imagination. Real artistic finished stuff. You know, I am enjoying this case. If only I had some excuse for taking it up officially. Oh, now, who can that be? Mayfair, 0299, Lord Peter Wimsey's residence. Hello? Yes, madam? Yes, madam? Mayfair, 0299? Yes, madam? Lord Peter Wimsey's house? Yes, it is, madam. One moment, please, madam. It's an elderly lady, my lord. I think she's deaf. I can't make her hear anything, but she's asking for your lordship. No, thank you, Bunter. Hello, Wimsey here. I said hello. Oh, it's Mrs. Thipps. Oh, yes, Mrs. Thipps. No. Can you help me? Well, yes, certainly. I'd be delighted, delighted. Would you come round? Uh, yeah, all right. Straight away? Right, yes, straight away. Oh, Lord, Lord, you must have done my safe for 
<laughs> splendid. Splendid, splendid. Well, goodbye. Hello. I, I said goodbye. By Joe, what a sporting old bird. The uncomparable Sug has made a discovery and arrested little Thipps. Old lady abandoned flat. Thipps last shrieked to her, tell Lord Peter Whimsey. Says, will I do what I can? Says she would feel safe in the hands of a real gentleman. Oh, Charles, Charles, I could kiss her. I really could, as Mr. Thipps says. Oh, oh, oh. oh, we must go round at once. Bunter, get your infernal machine and the magnesium. I feel so happy I could explode. Oh, Sug, Sug, how art thou suggified? Sug? Ah, uh, Parker, you and Bunter go ahead and capture a taxi. I've just thought of something. If Sug's there, he's going to make trouble. I'm a short circuit him. Now, off you go, off you go. I'll be with you in a moment. Hello, operator. Uh, Duke's Denver, 376, please. Did you examine Thipps's bathroom at all this afternoon, Charles? I didn't get the chance. Yes, mm -hmm. but I couldn't find much in the way of footprints. Sug and Code trampled all over the place to say nothing about little Thipps and the maid, but I noticed a very definite patch just behind the head of the bath as though something damp might have stood there. You could hardly call it a print. Well, Bunter shall subject it to the ruthless eye of his camera and we shall see. Was there anything outside, Charles? Well, Sug and I explored the ground at the back of the building. There wasn't a trace of anything there. No, it rained hard all last night, of course. Did you try the roof? The gutter's only a couple of feet off the top of the window. I measured it with my stick. The gentleman's vade mecum, I call it. It's marked off in inches. Uncommonly handy companion at times. There's a sword inside and a compass on the head. Got it made specially. Really? Well, did you? What? Try the roof. I did, yes, without Sug. Did you find anything? Well, no footmarks, naturally. Might as well expect footprints in Niagara. Still, I've got some evidence that the body did walk along there. What's that? These. No. They seem to me to be the ravelings of some coarse cotton stuff. Uh, sheet, perhaps? Improvised rope? One was caught in the gutter just above Thipp's bathroom window, and the rest came from the chimney stack behind, where they'd been caught in an iron stanchion. Hmm, interesting. Ah, here we are. And there is Sug of our heart standing guard. Oh, good evening, Sug. You know Inspector Parker, of course, but do you know my man, Bunter? I do. Thank you, Lord Peter. And what, may I ask, is your business here? Oh, I just thought I'd buzz round and have a look at the scene of the crime, what? Ah, did you? Mm -hmm. Well, you've already seen far more than is proper. So if you take my advice, Lord Peter, you'll turn round straight away and go home. Oh, Parker. Yes, Sug? You're wanted at the yard immediately. Missing person case. A call came through asking where you were ten minutes ago. Oh. Well, in that case, Whimsy, I'd better take this taxi straight back. Taxi, don't go. You can take me to the yard. Sure, Whimsy. All the best. Tadara, lad. Now, Sug, before you say anything else you may regret, may I inform you that I have been retained by Mrs. Thipps on behalf of her son. Retained? She'll be retained if she doesn't look out. Now, look, Lord Peter, I'm not letting you pass. You have no business here. Oh, look here, Inspector. What's the use of being so barely obstructive? You'd much better let me in. You know I'll get there in the end. It's my duty to keep out the public, and it's going to stay out. Sir? Yes, Gawthorne, what is it? Another call from the yard, sir. 
Chief says every facility has been given to Lord Peter Wimsey, sir. But really... I... Five aces, I think. The Chief's a dear friend of my mother's. Oh, no. No, Come... go, Sarge. It is no good bucking. You've got a full house, and I am going to make it a bit fuller. Come along, Bunter. Yes, my lord. But, Lord Peter... Oh, and, Sarge, just one other thing. As soon as Bunter's finished his wizardry, I'm going to trundle the old lady down to my mother's north. You're, you're now, making Now, don't me... argue. She's all alone here, now you've so ingeniously arrested her son and her maid. She won't run away, son. Very well, Lord Peter. Thank you. Right here, Mrs. Phipps, prepare yourself for a visit to Duke's Denver. I hope my mother doesn't mind. Well, it's very nice to see you, dear, even at this hour of the night. Oh, thank you, Mother. And thank you for the cold beef and cheese. Yeah, no, 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 no more, thank you. Have you got the old lady off to bed yet? Oh, yes, dear. Such a striking old person, isn't she? Mm -hmm. And very courageous. She tells me she's never been in a motor car before. But she thinks you a very nice lad, dear. Ah. Yes. <laughs> that careful of her, you remind her of her own son. <laughs> Poor little Mr. Phipps. Whatever made the police arrest him? Well, Sack must arrest somebody, Mother. And Phipps did rather a silly thing. Oh? It seems he got into a confusion about the train he took back from Manchester. Yes. Said first he got home at 10.30. Then they pumped Gladys Horrocks, who let out he wasn't back till after 11.45. Oh. Sugg makes inquiries at St Pancras and discovers that Phipps left a bag in the cloakroom there at 10. Phipps, asked to explain, stammers and says he met a friend. Oh, can't yes. say who. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't meet a friend. Can't say what he did with his time. Yeah. In fact, can't explain himself at all. Gladys Horrocks, interrogated again, says this time Phipps came in at 10.30. Immediately contradicts herself, bursts into tears, everybody's suspicions aroused, caught them both. Well, as you put it, dear, it all sounds very confusing and not quite respectable. But I can't see poor little Mr. Phipps committing a murder. Yes, Bunter? Excuse me, Your Grace, a message for his lordship. I took the liberty of answering the telephone since the servants were in bed. Yes, Bunter? Inspector Parker, my lord, he apologises for calling at this late hour, but would be grateful if your lordship could return to London tomorrow morning. It appears that the person whose disappearance he was called away to investigate is Sir Reuben Levy, the financier, my lord. Sir Reuben? Disappeared? Oh, oh, that is sad. I do hope no harm has come to him. I must write a few lines to Lady Levy in the morning. I used to know her quite well, you know, dear, down in Hampshire when she was a gal. Christine Ford she was then, of uh, course. Yeah, yes, Mother dear, yes. Why does Mr Parker want me, Mother? Mr Parker asked me to tell you, my lord, that Sir Reuben Levy disappeared last night, having been spotted and recognised in the Battersea Park Road at about a quarter to nine. Really? Yes, my lord. And Mr. Parker further informed me, my lord, that were Sir Reuben Levy to be shaved of his beard, he would be remarkably similar in appearance to the gentleman who was discovered in Mr. Thipps's bath. My lord. In that episode of Whose Body, the parts were played as follows. Lord Peter Wimsey, Ian Carmichael, Bunter, Peter Jones. The Dowager Duchess of Denver, Patricia Routledge. Mr. Thipps, Norman Bird. Inspector Parker, Gabriel Wolfe. Mrs. Thipps, Betty Huntley-Wright. Inspector Sugg, Stephen Thorne. The Body and the Bath was adapted by Chris Miller from the book Whose Body by Dorothy L. Sayers. The programme was produced by Simon Brett.
has been a Nostalgic Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening.